Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding here on the Athletic NBA Show. My name is Jared Weiss. We've got another writer from the Athletic in the building. We're going to talk about some of the most important work he's done all year and how that sets up for the offseason. Tim Cato, our Dallas Mavs writer. Cato, how are we looking in Dallas right now? We're good, man. It's hot out here. Um, but uh, we're just living the life out in Dallas, Texas. Um, another athletic writer, you say? There's so many of us. We're like a we're like a scourge. We're like a plague. There's at least like 20 of them, right? Wait, how, yeah. how hot is it still in Texas? Because everyone I know in Texas has been talking about this for like a month now. Over 100. Jesus. So like 102, 103. So that's um, I could get more into it. But uh, because after all, when we went to when we got our podcasting grad degrees, which we all have to get before we're ever put in front of a mic, uh, they say the number one thing that people want to listen to is about the weather in the current city they're in. Yeah. And so I don't know what exactly we're talking about today, but if you just want to pivot the whole episode to weather in Dallas, let's do it. Well, listen, I want this podcast to be a conversation. And the first thing that every human <laughs> being talks about when they run into each other is how's the weather. So how is the weather in the Dallas Mavericks organization right now? It's uh, it's it's positive. You know, uh, it, it, I don't I don't know what positive weather is. You know, Let, let's not it's not it's not, uh, you know, 72 uh, on a beach. But it is, you know, I'm trying to decide whether the weather was hot or cold uh, around this time a year ago. Let's say it was, uh, let's say it was hot. It was very warm. It was starting to get warm in Dallas. Uh, the ideas of is Luca going to leave? Uh, not even this time a year ago, you know, when the Mavericks flamed out of the postseason, they uh, didn't even make the postseason, when they flamed out of the regular season, when they intentionally lost the last two games, things are getting toasty, you know? And I think things have cooled off considerably. I, I wouldn't say it's the most comfortable temperature. Maybe it's down to an 80 degree kind of kind of afternoon where you still got to put on some sunblock. Um, you know, you still got to be cautious when you're outside. You still got to be, you know, looking around and, and planning out for, you know, where the shaded spots are going to be. But I think the the summer that the Mavericks had, I, I don't know how much better it makes the team. It, I think it makes them better. I think it makes them a playoff team. But I think more importantly, it sets them up for future moves in a way that seemed really hard to visualize after Jalen Brunson left for nothing. So, you know, they, obviously they brought in Grant Williams. So there's kind of one substantial change in their rotation. But talking about setting up for future moves for a team that it feels like they're supposed to be gunning for winning now, that's, I guess, maybe a pleasant surprise because they obviously aren't going to be able to really dramatically change their chances from missing the playoffs to championship favorite just overnight when they don't even have the assets to do anything with it. So how, I guess, what does this process look like for how they want to reframe themselves? 
Yeah, I mean, if if Dallas could have made a title contending swing or multiple versions of that this summer, they would have. They they literally did not have the ability to do that. They did not have yeah. enough pieces of value on the roster. I thought that their free agency period was was solid, but I think where they really really succeeded this summer was on the uh, on draft night, and for them to take the number ten pick. Uh, to trade back to get rid of a, a contract that they thought they were going to have to use a you know some sort of asset to get rid of. I guess in in a sense they did, but they moved back two spots from ten to twelve. They moved off Davis Bertans, and then they got Derek Lively, and then they uh, subsequently traded back into the first round. They got Olivier Maxence Prosper, uh, which is another player that they they really like. Um, now all of a sudden that's four young players in addition to Luca um, in in Prosper in Lively. And Josh Green and Jaden Hardy. Jaden Hardy came on really strong in the second half of last season, and they they picked up a couple second rounders in the uh, in the Grant Williams sign and trade. Not super valuable, but it's something. And we've seen that second rounders sometimes can push deals over the over the line. And even though that you know they they were expecting to convey the first rounder uh, last season, and they you know they lost the last two games of the season to make sure they retained it. Next summer. Once they get past the draft, they're going to have three future first rounders available to trade, and those pieces, you know, those 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 picks, their value probably they're probably more valuable as long as Kyrie Irving is the second best player on the Mavericks, and if Kyrie Irving is the second best player on the Mavericks, there's a chance that everything implodes and Luka Doncic leaves, and that's where the real value of those picks come in. So I don't see Dallas, you know, they don't have a kitchen sink offer to go get Giannis in a very hypothetical world where he became available. But they finally have something to trade. They have something to go make that next move, uh, at least especially when they get to next year's draft. And that's a place that they they just weren't in last year. And so to really start retooling the roster, uh, to add some players they like, Grant Williams uh, certainly is one, Seth Curry on a really uh, team-friendly deal, you know, taking a flyer at Dante Exum, uh, you know, obviously the two, two, the two rookies coming in. Those are all things that really retool the roster and you know, really set up Dallas, uh, hopefully with some long-term rotation players. Their third best player is probably Grant Williams, you know, and that I, I, you know, I I don't think that you can go get a player who was, you know, the seventh or eighth most important, a good player, but you know, someone who was seventh or eighth most important on a team that's made a couple finals runs in in recent history. I don't think you can make him your third best player and, and expect to be a title contender, but they're starting to see, you know, we're starting to see, maybe they've seen it for a while, but we're starting to see the vision of how they can make that next trade and try to become a title contender in the near future, even while being more competitive next summer. And whether they can, you know, carefully triangulate all that and and actually make it work, that remains to be seen. It's it's still not any guarantee. You know, their their situation still has some precariousness to it, but it has a lot less than it did this time three months ago, this time one year ago. Well, do they have that like next core guy in in house, like Green or Hardy or, or Lively? Do they think any of these guys can grow into that third guy? Or do they have to make a move for that? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think, I think uh, my guess is that they're going to have to make a move for, for kind of that third best player. Um, Josh Green is, is, is the best chance at it. Um, Jaden Hardy probably has the highest ceiling of, of these four young players that we're talking about, but how much he fits next to Luca and Kyrie Irving long-term, you know, that that's a question as of right now, unless they trade Tim Hardaway before, junior before the season, which they've been trying to do. Um, unless they trade him, I'm not sure he has a rotation spot. I'm not sure Jaden Hardy uh, is even going to be getting a, a lot of minutes uh, when everybody's healthy. Um, Olivier Maxence Prosper is somebody they really like, but that's a, that's a, you know, if he can become a, a really solid fifth starter, that would be an absolute win for a player who's drafted, you know, uh, late in the first round. Uh, Derek Lively Jr., um, you know, he definitely has potential to be a very, very good defensive center uh, here in a, you know, maybe as soon as the the second half of next season. But he's he's going to be a limited offensive player. He doesn't project necessarily as that type of, you know, uh, third best player on a title contender. And so... I think there will be a move in the future. I, th- I think the team is 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 probably aware of that, but uh, it's going to be a little bit till they get to that point. And just maximizing what they can do next season is 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 the key. And I do think they're better set up to not repeat the embarrassment that last season objectively was. Yeah, that was that was embarrassing. Uh, obviously, it all surrounds Luca. And you had a piece earlier this year that I thought was really fascinating. And the premise of the piece is how do you stop Luka Doncic? And the way you set up the lead to this story was basically a bunch of the best coaches in the NBA saying, that's a stupid question. You can't stop Luka Doncic. You're, you're going to fail. So can you, can you walk us through how that story came together? So before every game, I snuck into the pregame coaches meeting <laughs> and I just looked at their game plans. <laughs> And actually, it wasn't sneaking. I just asked really nicely. And every, you know, I'm a I'm a handsome young lad. And they're like, sure thing. Sure thing, Tim Cato. So um, journalism works. So I, I'm actually going to shout it. So there was a there's a piece by uh, a soccer guy that I who writes for us that I really like uh, John uh, Mueller um, Mueller. And he did it about Messi leading into the World Cup. And it, it was it was kind of framed in a in a similar way where it's like, look, this premise is ridiculous, but we're going to walk you through how you should go about trying to stop Messi. And in the process, you're going to learn how impossible it is, but you're at least going to have an idea of what teams are going to try. And it's at least something you can look for. I think for the Lucas story, I tried to do something really similar. Um, you know, a lot of the quotes I had were pregame press conferences where I just asked the opposing head coach. I, I kind of set it up like that. Like, you know, Luca is Luca. We know how hard you know it is to stop him. What does it look like to actually sit down and say this is our game plan against him? You know that's where quotes came, like you know a lot of sleepless nights, um, you know a lot of uh, you know head scratching. You know people being like, if 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 we knew how to stop him, you know uh, you know we'd uh, you know we we'd have we'd make more money than than we even do right now. You know things like that. So that that was kind of the the way that I went about it. And, and then I just tried to walk through, you know, what's Luca's absolute favorite play? It's the pick and roll. Yeah. And so you know he's gonna call a bunch of pick and rolls. You have options about how you're gonna just, you know, how you're gonna guard it. 
And, and what I find, what you know, I've always thought this about Luca, but what, what the story really emphasized to me is that Luca is a very malleable player. You know, he doesn't, he has ways that he's going to attack you, but really what he wants to do on the court is whatever you choose to give him because he's good enough at every option that, you know, whatever way you choose to, to guard him, he's going to shift into that playing style. We've seen him in the post a lot. So if you're going to switch a smaller player onto him, he's just going to go right to the post. If you're going to double team him, you know, he's going to hit the corner shooter. You know, if 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 you're going to, you know, blitz him, sometimes he'll just split it. Um, you know, he's he's quite adept at that. If you really don't send help, that's when he was scoring 50, 45, 52 uh, for a consistent stretch in December because coaches, you know, there was kind of a trend for a moment that they just said, hey, we're not going to let him get those passes off to the shooters. And Lucas said, okay, I'm going to score. But if you do the opposite, he's going to consistently find his shooters and, you know, he's going to punish you that way. And so he really is an impossible puzzle to solve that, you know, the, the, the person who can most stop Luka Doncic is Luka Doncic. It's funny. Players will often take about, uh, they'll talk about taking what the defense gives them. And I feel like it's just kind of a BS line most of the time, but you're talking it about really it is. in a serious way. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like BS with Luka. It, it's not, it's not because he is, you know, I, I think for the, the, you know, the five best offensive players, uh, they're about the only people who can do that. You know, some three and D wing can talk about taking what the defense gives them that three and D wing, you know, if, if they're not helping off of him, you know, what is he going to do? He's like, Oh, well the defense isn't helping off me. What that means is like, just continue standing in the corner. You know, it, it, it's, it's a good way to play, but there are certainly players who, don't have as diverse of a you know offensive repertoire. There's teams that that just don't have as much ability uh, to score in every sort of way. And Luca is one of those players who I, I almost truly believe that he can, you know, he's adept at every type of offensive skill. Um, you know, I even wrote about like you know, and I and I interviewed uh, Stan Van Gundy for this. And Stan Van Gundy, you know, talked a lot about maybe you should just give him three pointers. And that's true. You know, Luca's main weakness offensively definitely is his shooting. He shoots a bunch of them, but, you know, he was about 35%. If he hits like four or more, I believe the stats in there, you know, the Mavericks are, were like 10 and one at the time of publishing the piece. And so if he's hitting his threes, you know, you're kind of out of luck. Um, but that's one option. You can just say maybe this isn't, a, you know, a, he's not on from three tonight and maybe he's going to settle for a few many, uh, uh, too many of them. But at the same time, his best spot is going to his left and stepping back. And if you want to really get him out of the pick and the roll and, and, you know, get him away from his favorite right hand, he's got the counter for that too. And so just every uh, implication of what you could try to do with him, you know, there's some version of Luca that has a response for it. And the question is, and, and the question all around mass Twitter is like, what type of shape is he going to come into the season with? You know, how focused is he going to be? Is he, is he going to, you know, not just be in shape for, you know, the first couple months, but for the marathon that the NBA season is? And that's what I mean when, you know, the main person who can stop Luca is Luca himself. And, you know, I think that's the big question going into next season. You know, a crazy question of could he be even slightly better than, you know, one of the best players in the NBA that we've seen him be for the past four years? Well, no matter how much better Luca gets, Cato's coverage is going to be even better. That'll do it for us here at The Ding. Tim Cato, Jared Weiss. We'll see you next time on The Daily Ding. Ding, ding.